and welcome again. This is Startup episode 53. Uh, and once again, on tour, not no longer in Turnbull Towers this time. We're actually in SDF Carl Ross, for I have with me the second of our non-Ralph host, co-hosts. And this is an actual real person this time. So, hi, I'm Carl. Yep, see, real person. No voice impressions from me. No, sir, not at all. So... Uh, we're back, as I say, a week after our last one, as I said, felt guilty about keeping you behind and missing the inane banter that we've inflicted on you these last couple of years. So, again, our remit as part of the startup team is to take a look at some of the neglected and overlooked aspects of pop culture. Now, some of these are unfairly ne- neglected and unfairly overlooked, such as Manimal, and some of them perhaps less so. <laughs> So, what are we talking about just now? Well, I think uh, our subject, subject of the moment is the, um, is the unpicked up Wonder Woman television pilot from, what was it, two years ago? Yeah, about two, two, maybe three years ago now. Uh, now, Wonder Woman uh, once reigned supreme on television, played by the lovely Linda Carter. Yeah, there was pretty much no competition there. No. Uh, and it's kind of, uh, so just to explain, Wonder Woman is in the fictional version of the DC Universe, as in, in its, if you were a character in the DC Universe, she is the third biggest of the heroes. Perhaps marginally now four, thanks to the uh, Jeff Johns obsession with uh, Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, but she was kind of the third part of the Trinity, which consisted of Batman, Superman, and her. And there's a, a, an ongoing quest from DC to kind of ram her down the throat in, and to make this the case in real life, where the character... Yeah, they just they just want to find find a way to you know to um, kind of give her that profile that they think she should have, but has never quite managed to manage to achieve. And uh, so, in case of say the Wonder Woman TV series, she appeared in the uh, cartoons as well uh, in both the sort of the Super Friends era and in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And her the DC animated movie that her that was focused on her was, was actually quite good. probably one of the better of, of those uh, projects that come. It's really, really better than I expected it to be, that was. But it's kind of the ongoing quest to get superheroes on, on sort of TV uh, in live action drives has not always been successful. It's had variable results, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, for every uh, The Flash and, and The Hulk, we have... Uh, well, the Hulk TV movies, for yes. being brutally honest. Yes. So, a few years ago, uh, David Kelly uh, of Ally McBeal and Picket Fences fame, so a uh, producer with a little bit of clout, uh, tried to get a Wonder Woman pilot uh, commissioned and on the air. So, the, the pilot was commissioned, which is the, the first hurdle. Unfortunately, it kind of fell at the second one. Yes. Uh, now, how can we put this? Uh, there is a reason I fell. We've only literally, within the last ten minutes, finished watching this, and I'm already struggling to remember the story, such as it is. Was there, was there actually one? Uh, <laughs> okay, so, uh, the lovely Adrian Paralecki, uh, currently uh, wowing us in theatres as Lady J in G.I. Joe Retaliation, uh, fills the costume, and... Fills it rather well. She is very fetching. Yes. She is one of the life rafts of joy you must grab onto and cling to for the duration of this. If anything is going to get you through it, she will. Uh, so she plays uh, Diana Themyscira, or Wonder Woman. Uh, Carrie Elwes, uh, 
he of Robin Hood Men in Tights uh, and Christmas Bride and Saw and the last Saw film uh, is sort of the CEO of her company and kind of the sort of straight lace like the stiff confidant father yeah. figure type yeah kind of the, vo- the voice of reason uh, and the villain of the piece uh, is oh, <laughs> is Liz Hurley and Liz Hurley's acting is an even bigger villain because as anybody who's seen Liz Hurley in anything is uh, yeah I, yeah I haven't seen Liz Hurley in anything I'm really regretting that I have now I've uh, Previous uh, podcasts, I have sort of talked at length. It's sort of the worst film, worst film ever, which at one point was Catwoman. Up until the, the Nativity, Nativity Two, uh, Top Gat Triumvirate teabagging took place. Uh, but Catwoman had the evil, had evil cosmetics. Uh, this this one has evil pharmaceuticals, and yeah. it's not much different. And it's just very banal. Well, I mean, it, I, I would say that say there is one important difference in that Sharon Stone may have been giving an appalling performance in Catwoman, but she was at least giving a performance. Something that Liz Hurley doesn't seem to be doing. If so you've much. heard Liz Hurley talking, like in an interview or a press conference or whenever, whatever she she's done in between being a model and being with Hugh Grant before uh, and after him nobbing a prostitute in, in a car and all that. But we, we do like Hugh Grant. It's, all joking aside, it is something that will always kind of get brought up when Hugh Grant's mentioned, but it's any, uh, for anybody who's aware of the UK uh, press, tabloid press, and how basically rampant uh, scumbaggery has, has overtaken them, he's been one of the, the voices of, of hacked off a campaign saying, no, the, you should be uh, monitored and regulated because you can't police yourself as has been proven by the, the obscene phone hacking of Millie Dowler every time he's been on something like Newsnight or Question Time you kind of think, you know how you played the Prime Minister in Notting Hill eh? probably wouldn't be all that obje- objectionable to you being Prime Minister in real life you, you come across as quite a decent chap but anyway, Liz Hurley just has no range, her voice is, is as plummy and full of just upper class nonsense as you would expect and it's so flat. It's difficult to tell the difference between her, her being nice and friendly and her threatening it. Yes, and now the, the biggest thing is superheroes are an, innate, are an innately absurd concept. There's no ludicrous. getting away with it. Ludicrous, but yeah, it's a ludicrous that we, that we love. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Now, the problem we have is that because people seem to forget that primarily superheroes should be aimed at kids, because uh, it is obviously a quite colourful thing, is that we have to make them realistic. We have to make, make them sort of believable, uh, as it were, or just something that could exist in the real world. Kind of missing the point that almost any TV show that's, that involves drama is absolutely unrealistic in certain ways. Nobody talk, Nobody in real life talks or acts like they do on television. No, it's, it's like police officers watching, even ones that come fairly close to it, like The Wire or Homicide Life on the Street. There's still fuck tons of elements of that that if you were an actual serving police officer, you just would go bollocks to that. So there's always this. So I don't get why we have to ground our superheroes. It's like just embrace the joy of it. Uh, the 60s Batman show ignore the lazy pow kapow shit that 
uh, all journalists do when talking about comics, is there was absolutely no attempt to make that... No, they, they didn't grounded. pretend that was the real world. <laughs> this is the world that we're presenting, and so long as you stay within the confines of that world, you get verisimilitude, which is fine. So there's an inherent suspension of disbelief if you're sitting in a room watching a, a box that's showing coloured lights and sounds at you. Because yeah. it's not bloody real anyway. But what, what, you, what you need to do is, is, cre- is, cre- is create a, dis- a set of rules and work with those set of rules. They don't need to be the same set of rules that our world works by. So this has a Diana Themyscira. So you don't get her origin story, which is brilliant. It's, yeah. it's the, one of the, the bold steps that it took. And I like it because basically it's, it's going to tell you who she is through the acts of the, sto- the story. And origin stories for superheroes generally either cast a long shadow or rather wisely in Diana's case if you're actually aware of her convoluted <laughs> pre-New 52 origin is she was sculpted out of clay yeah. and life was breathed into her that's a tough sell Yeah. Uh, so she's basically operating in uh, the real world as it were uh, as head of Themyscira Them- Industries and basically beating up on criminals and her public identity as Diana Themyscira and Wonder Woman are one and the same. So she gets herself the Diana Prince identity because she wants to build a real life for herself, yeah. which seems overly messy. Unduly complicated. And obviously, had the season been picked up, this would have been the thing. It's like, you look awful like that. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's the kind of thing, when superheroes don't wear masks, there is a point where people will go... Yeah, you look like that. Because, let's be honest, a uh, friend of the podcast, Gav Spence, we see a lot of people who resemble him. Uh, so I like to think, if he ever became a superhero, or perhaps he's already one now and he's just... I'm not allowed to tell you. Well, uh, if he was, I wouldn't say. Uh, he'd have to wear more than a, than a domino mask or, or sort of that. So he'd have to wear the full balaclava deal. Because he would just it would just look... Resemblance. It'd just be weird. Yeah. But the thing is, so... Anyway, so she's fighting against uh, these steroided super soldiers, basically. Yeah, uh, but you know, but you're basically a, a, a bunch of white red slugs. And it kind of it opens with a, a young African American uh, man who's of, of about to go to college age, and he's got a letter in his family like, "Open it, open it, open it," and. He uh, opens the letter and he's like, "I'm in." It's like, "Oh, he's going to college. Very, very happy. Yay, yay, great." Uh, and then blood starts pouring from his nose, his mouth and his ears, pretty much every hole in his body. Yeah. Uh, and then it cuts to the debut of Wonder Woman. Now, you see, basically, it's, it's done through TV footage of a chase as a criminal is running through running through Hollywood Boulevard at what appears to be superhuman speed. Yeah, there's a problem with that, though, isn't it's, it's, Now, we should point out that this pilot was never officially released. Uh, this was acquired by uh, Secret Stardub means. That's all I'm saying, kids. Uh, but anyway, so the effects aren't quite finished, and there's, there's some amusing notes throughout, such as yeah. VFX, must uh, darken pants later. Yeah, add police cars. Yes. My personal favourite. But anyway, so they run through, and she catches the uh, the, the drug dealer, attack, the, the roided up chap, uh, and, well, she should actually kill him, because she, she lassoes him with the lasso of truth round his neck. Yeah, that... That did look a little bit painful, to say the least. And so it kind of says to one she's an ass-kicking machine uh, in her rather eye-catching outfit. She gets the trousers, though, rather than the uh, 
one piece bikini. Yeah, I was, I was, I was glad, I was glad to see they put her in a proper pe- pair of trousers. And again, she, she absolutely looks the part. The casting is good. Her performance actually in the role isn't too bad. Given what she's got to work with, yeah, I didn't, didn't think she was, she was doing anything wrong. She's very exposition heavy, and exposition is very, very clunky. But it transpires that there's a whole host that Veronica Kale, the evil Liz Hurley, uh, is a pharmaceutical firm, is giving supplements to for uh, bodybuilding and steroid supplements. It's not saying that they're illegal, it's just saying steroid supplements, but they're basically causing side effects and people are going mental and, and dying eventually. Yes, that's right, the African-American man, that young man does die by the end of it because, unfortunately... He's a black man in, in fantasy science fiction television. It's, it's a sad and unfortunate rule that does still seem to happen far too often. That begs it. I hope they don't bring Billy D. Williams back for the new Star Wars film. Oh maybe, dear, maybe that's that, just that again. That's probably why they've done it. It's just they've yeah. somewhere some really racist scumbag. Yeah, really some really <laughs> racist scumbag high up in the media went. You know what? We didn't catch him. But anyway, so there's a whole rigmarole about about it. Now, big problem is uh, it's just very dull. Yeah, it's yeah, it's. It, Pretty flat, pretty lifeless. It doesn't really have any impetus. And the problem is, because the exposition is so heavy and it is so clunky, it's you can see characters struggling to give a really good actors trying to give a really good performance. Now, Etta Candy's her sort of PA and probably her closest thing to a friend she's got at that point in time. Yeah. But you could barely tell. She's not got any room to bring that bring that across. You know, she she's lit, she literally just answers phone phone calls and you know and passes on plot coupons. And when you you hear uh, Adrian uh, just uh, having a rant about her tits being merchandised, it is just it's like seriously, who wrote that dialogue? It's awful. Yeah, someone actually got paid for that, and that that does pain me. And but it's just it's. Also, Wonder Woman kills a, an evil man at some point, which is kind of... I, I, it's, not, it's not just that she kills someone. She, she, she chucks a thing in his throat. You know, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, and that's pretty horrible. By this point, though, she's already tortured in, tortured someone for information, which I kind of, I kind of have a problem with. And, and not so much from that because of the Amazon warrior culture. I would allow that to go through because that's ju- that is... If you're going that way, you can allow that to slide a little bit because she doesn't kill him. But she does kill a guy later on. You're like, well, no, that's... Yeah. And th- she, there's no quips, there's no sort of one-liners. She just literally d- kills him because he's in the way and she needs to get rid of him very quickly. Yeah, and that was that was a little bit too vigilante, too, too, too punisher. Yes, it's, it's, it's not what you expect from a Wonder Woman. Sure. So it, it didn't get aired. As I say, she, she looks the part, uh, and I'm not saying that, and just, uh, she looks the part. No, she, no, does she actually makes a good Wonder Woman. She's statuesque and she does look like how you would put a Wonder Woman in that would be very convincing as an Amazonian Amazonian warrior woman. And as I say, it's not that her performance is bad, she's just got no dialogue to work with that brings out any warmth to the character. Yeah, and well nothing really builds a character. Uh, Katie Ells is the only one that has any remark any bits of, of character moments when he, he goes off on her at her because she's not taking her job too seriously, then he kinda of softens and gives her a bit more of a paternalistic kind of pat on the back and understanding, but he's the only one that gets any material that shows 
And he was. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I mean, there's, there's even a whole romance, you know, romance arc in there that just doesn't work because it it's not set up properly, and then it's kind of fumbled, you know, fumbled in right at the end, and it. I wouldn't have, it, it was something that you couldn't actually pick up and carry in, in series either. So yeah, the, no, we should clarify the reason for this is, is she mentioned that she was dating someone. Well, obviously, it's the Steve Trevor character. But what happens is he shows up later on. He's been in the city for six months again after he went away, but he's now married. So you can't have a romantic plot without one of them being a scumbag. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing. There's literally nothing you can do with that. The only way you can get around that is by having his wife get killed off very, very quickly. Yeah, which is the only that's the only it, it, yeah, it, it is. It, it's a it's a bit of a tacky tacky way to deal with it. But obviously, but, this yeah. is this is mere idle speculation yes. because uh, we'll never know. Yeah, it's the, because rather wisely, the network uh, looked at it and went, "We can't sell this." Yeah, it was it was just one of these things that was never going to fly. No, it it was a a, a turd. I say just lamentable in that it, it would have been good and the thing is although I say they, they make a point to say that the merchandising the text thing that is mentioned in a scene that's trying to talk about uh, not objectifying Wonder Woman as this perfect ideal and it kind of goes back in her face because it's like well you did that deliberately so you could operate as a larger than life character and the, that's, there's something that's interesting that's a good idea that's a good idea but it's like, so clunkily dealt with and, and the points the point isn't gotten across with any subtlety. It is like trading tabloid headlines. It, you know, it, you know, it kind of they just, they just bring the existing plot to a stop so they can do that and then start the plot again yeah. again when they're, when they're done. We do have one one other hero of those, and in the boardroom is when she's holding up the, the Barbie doll as Wonder Woman. It goes, does it? And she just screams, "Does this look anything like my breasts?" And one chap starts to stick his hand before Kelly slams it down. And he was like, "Brilliant! You, you've got you, you've got to love that." He's a, he's our hero, so. Again, I don't. To, I, I imagine you probably struggle to find this on the internet now, just because I'm sure nobody's really bothered about hosting it to make it available for people to download. No, no, I don't yeah. think anyone's going to care. Uh, I actually had forgotten about it now for a while, but we'd been promising that that Carl would see this at some point, and because we know uh, from from past experience, the Stardog team are aware that that when Carl is left unsupervised with crap, he may not watch it all. Or he may not watch it all in one go. Oh, that's that's only happened once. Come on, once. And, you know, and how much how much stuff 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 have you fed my fed my way over the years? True, but that's not the point, is it? <sighs> once. Come on. But if we hadn't pushed you, you wouldn't have watched again. So well, that's true. Yeah. So right, we knew yeah. this this was held in reserve to to ensure. Uh, the idea would be that uh, Ralph would would join us as well, but. Uh, I'm sure he got. He's actually kind of got the better end of the deal on this entirely. Yeah, by not being here and seeing it. Yeah, I've, I've now watched this piece of shit twice. You're here. Uh, no, to be honest, it's not that. It's not actually that bad. It's just boring. I mean, now even now, it's just like, what can I remember? So, please, if you if you feel the the, the burning need to drag it down, feel free. Uh, I certainly wouldn't uh, force you to do it or strongly urge that. You waste time and effort tracking yeah, it down. It's, it's probably not worth putting in a great deal, a great deal of time to find. No. So we're going to take a short break, and we're actually going to be waxing uh, lyrical, philosophical, however you want to say, about the very first episode of the latest block of uh, 
Doctor Who, I believe, uh, with uh, Matt Smith and our, our new favourite. Well, I'm sorry, Karen Gillan, but the Genelise Coleman has, has taken your place uh, with the old and with the new and all that. So Absolutely. we'll leave you with a brief theme, a brief musical interlude, maybe a Doctor Who theme tune, maybe even the correct one, Phil. I don't know. Uh, I'll decide later, and we'll be back shortly. So we're back, and we've we haven't just watched because we've had a little pause afterwards. Not for that kind of thing, Ralph. We had dinner. As we just watched the first episode of the second block of Doctor Who, Indeed. the Bells of St John. Yes. So, what are our thoughts? Well, there are many and myriad, and not to be shared with you, likes of you. But what do we think of Doctor Who? Well, we can go into that. I think. Yeah, I think we can manage that. So it kicks off with uh, basically. A little cutscene of a wee chap complaining about he, he doesn't know where he is and about how the internet's all broken. Evil, yeah. And broken. He's like, he doesn't know where he is. And it cuts to all scenes of a whole host of other people like that who are in a bank of monitors, all apparently trapped somewhere in Somewhere, yeah, and they don't know where now. And suitably creepy. Yep. We then get our title sequence with uh, the Matt Smith face in the cloud. Uh, always, a, always good, hearkening back to the, the good old days. And we see uh, in the it's a, a monastery, and twelve oh seven. Twelve oh seven, and it's where the doctor's gone to try and, uh, and untangle the mystery of Clara Oswin Oswald. Yep. Or Oswald Oswin, which, whichever way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as a monk. And basically, his apparently he's been summoned because the bells John are going, which turns out to be the Tardis telephone. Yeah. Which shouldn't be ringing anyway. And it turns out it's Clara. Talking to him because the internet is broken in the house that she is a nanny looking after the kids. One of whom, one of the parents is uh, the son of Desmond from Channel 4's Desmond's. He was Michael, the bank manager. Sorry, just your Desmond's food is better than mine. I do like it when I spot someone. It's, it's always nice. Well, I remember you. And in all fairness, the cast of Desmond's are no stranger to science fiction. No, that's true. I do believe the lead actor from Desmond was actually in something else, science fiction from the BBC, at some point. And, of course... Uh, one, of, one of them was Malcolm. Yes. The reading Star Trek Enterprise. Exactly. It's all... The reach of Desmond's is, is... It's quite huge, really. Disturbing. So, anyway, the internet's broken, and Clara is then... Well, shadowy, sinister people are, are trying to Do upload her for their client. Uh, so, the Doctor ends up back, we're finding out where she stays, come... Tries to get her to, to talk to him while still in his monk's habit. Yeah, that works about as well as you could expect. <laughs> Very nice gag about Doctor Doctor Who, and, and keeps getting her to repeat it, saying how much he enjoys hearing that over the years. Uh, he then decamps back to the TARDIS, realising, you know what, I look like a mentalist, I'm going to get changed. So he dies in, Get this is how the new slightly tweet outfit comes in. And of course, we get a, a call back to the trout leader. Yes, indeed, with a you know with a sort of you know, built-in built version of the magic chest, which contains everything. 
And it's nice that he gets his outfit, everything apart from bow tie, which is a nice little black black box. Yes, yes. You know, sort of little treasure treasury box. And he strolls out to get uh, Clara, and then uh, it turns out as he's trying to do this, something bad has happened to her. She's been targeted for upload by the uh, server bots, or what was it they called them? Spoonheads. Yeah, if you have, like, the front of their head uh, is normal, but in the back is, like, a big silver dish. Yeah, a big sort of depression thing, yeah. Uh, and it appears to her as the character from the cover of a book written by one Amelia Williams. Not a, not a familiar name to us at all. No. Anyway, he breaks in as she's being uploaded to this shadowy internet place, and he stops it and saves her life. That's as the doctor's wants to do. And during this time, it's while she's unconscious, he kind of tries to make everything right, so he basically puts her in her, her bed, doesn't do anything, as you would imagine, he's a perfect gentleman. Yeah. Glass of water, flowers. Play, de- play jammy dodges. Uh, which he partially eats one, and then decamps at the TARDIS with the spoon bot, the, the, the spoon head waiting for her to wake up. Queuing uh, the, a random discussion between the two of them. It's very, yeah. a lot of good back and forth between the two. Yes, there's a very, very good double act building up. It's obviously that we have had over the, the last few years a lot uh, since Doctor Who's came back really sort of uh, is there a thing between the Doctor and Companion and it's, yeah. there's been various different mi- mileages gained in, in the different portrayals of it this is the one where it does feel like equals yes yes they, they're, but they're both definitely giving us giving as good as, good as they get but the, the thing is he's very awkward which I think the, the David Tennant Billy Piper wasn't ever awkward they just kind of clicked yes there. yes Whereas this is a, a clumsy, unwieldy doctor, which, again, Matt Smith's body language is perfect for that. His ungainly yet purposeful stride. Yes, you know, it, you know, it, it does, it does, you know, it feels sort of naturally uncomfortable. So he's not in control in this situation, and she's n- not in control just because of circumstance being anywhere you involved with the doctor. That crazy-ass shit is happening. Yeah. He's... Obviously not as superior as he would normally be, and he's out of his depth. So it is kind of a feels kind of like the sort of fifties Rock Hudson and Doris Day sort of romantic comedy. Yeah, it's you know, sort of the sort of screwball comedy kind of thing. There's a lot of uh, knowing gags. He describes the the why have you got a blue box? It's like it's my mobile phone. It's like it's a surprisingly accurate description. Yeah. <laughs> now, good, we know that's true, but it sounds absurd. Yeah. Uh, so it transpires that uh, these. There's a shadowy client who appears to have knowledge of the Doctor, because the the lead Mrs. Uh, whose name escapes me is played by Celia Imrie, yeah. uh, who was in Star Wars, uh, Phantom Menace, but we won't hold that against her. No. Uh, and the client is aware of the Doctor, gives her a little bit of knowledge about him. So immediately, speculation is going to start. Indeed, yeah. We should point out that during the uh, while Clara was, was asleep, the Doctor rummaged through her things and found her years, year by year sort of diary. Yes, which has a missing year in it. Oh, it's it's it's, it's more it's a book of places yeah. she wanted she wanted yeah. to, wanted to visit, and there's a there's a note of her age yeah. in the inside cover, and um, but with one year missing. Yeah. And there's also a leaf in there which he licks to get a feel for, and looks a little bit disturbed at it, more so than normal if you've just been licking a leaf from inside a book. Yeah. Which I think. Might tie into the trailer where he's in the forest at night and he's saying, I'm the doctor and I'm afraid, but we'll find out, I suppose, as it goes along. Time will tell. Yeah. So, uh, turns out that the doctor's interference in saving Clara from being uploaded to uh, the, the data cloud 
hasn't gone unnoticed, and they basically start engineering uh, all of the people around. Yeah, basically, just basically just t- just take control of you know of large of a large chunk of London. And there's a nice reference. We can't we can't get it covered this time. We can't make it look like a, a riot right. every time. And uh, again, do that whole thing about explaining away real life events and having something sort of a, a bit more fantastical. Not to trivialise what happens, but just to kind of justify how in a universe of Doctor Who these things happen. Yes. Yeah. And basically, it involves uh, a plane ends up barreling right towards them. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you've got to admit that's one of the more unusual ways we've seen seen someone try try and take out the Doctor. Take it with an aeroplane. It's it's unusual, I'll grant you. And so basically, he teleport. Uh, he teleports. He tardises away into the plane itself and. Saves, saves the day in a very light-hearted action. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, 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 very good, very, very funny sequence. It's, I, th- I think what we can see, even before so we go on and talk about the rest of the episode, is it's an action piece, but it's very light-hearted and moves along. It's not, it doesn't downplay or make jokes at the expense of the peril that people are happening, but it still manages to keep a very breezy tone throughout. Yeah, it's, it's, got, a, it's, got, a, it's got a lot of energy to, you know, to it, and a, a lot of momentum. So they basically end up... Uh, Doctor just kind of explaining, it's TARDIS, it's back on the inside, uh, here's how it goes. They travel to the, ne- the next day, just basically so they can try and track down where it is, where, the, where they're based, because they obviously have a base in, in London. Yeah. Everything revolves around London. Well, absolutely. <laughs> you, you, you can't build a building in London without aliens getting involved somewhere. It is true. I'd add this. Basically, I think we should have better planning planning officers and councils. I think so, yes. It would stop yes. a lot of problems happening. Yeah. And, you know, can we have a feel, feel for planet of origin so we know what we're getting into? Exactly. Do you wish... What is your reasons for asking for uh, a permit to build here? Is it to, A, run a business, B, uh, commit to create a residential area for thing, or C, shadow, shadowy front for nefarious off-world purposes? Got to be asked. Yeah. Planning, planning authorities, you're not doing your job well enough, it would appear. So the Doctor turned, uh, and Clara end up in a sort of cafe, and it turns out that they, these server bots have, have hacked so many people that they can basically use them to speak through... Yeah, but you know, basically anyone who's been, who's been, too, been, too, cl- been too close to the Wi-Fi, uh, so check, check your address, people. Yeah, and mm. It just kind of uh, means that the Doctor is not really dealing with anybody. There's no one that you can put a face to yet. Obviously, we know it's Celia Emery back in their shadowy office, but he's got the threat of everybody around. Yep. Always good. And again, at that point, the scale of threat is still now just becoming clear. You still don't know who the mysterious client is. Again, at that point, you can speculate anything. Uh, we do find out who it is later on at the end, obviously. Uh, but Clara, when she was uh, brought up to the data cloud, was, or partially brought up, was given some skills on the computer. Yeah. So the doctor wasn't able to find it. She sends him off for the coffee where he has the conversation with Celia Emery through all, all these proxies and she finds out where it is. The doctor comes out to her and she goes, I've got it, here's where the other base at the shard. But it's not the doctor. It's one of the server bots with the do- made to look like the doctor. So, barrels round, absorb her, she's in the cloud. <gasps> yep. Dun, dun, dun. And the doctor then comes out and realises what's happened and goes... Give, me, give her back now, and they say no. And he go, basically does the traditional, I'm the doctor, I'm coming to get you. On his motor, motorcycle, helmet on, yep. barreling through... Uh, Central London? Central London. Some some chap with chips uh, stops him and goes, you won't get you won't get in there, the building's in lockdown. 
Dodds mentions he's on, the bike was used in an anti-gravity champ, championship. And he goes, you can't get in, it's sealed. He goes, didn't I just say anti-gravity? And he drives up the building. Yeah, at the outside of the building. Crashes into the office and then has the confrontation. And this is, this is a good bit of shorthand uh, in terms of what happens is the helmet's on throughout because it's not the doctor. But it's, he's controlling one of the, the server bots. And he's saying, give me Clara, download her. And she's like, no, there's no way to do it. The only way we do that is if we downloaded the entire data cloud and people would die. And he's like, and the doctor's application at this point is freed from a living hell of being kept up there. Uh, and she's like, well, you can't make me. He goes, I'll motivate you. Because you see, I'm old-fashioned. I'm not here. I don't like people. It's technology. He's controlling the server bot from back back where they were ha- him and Clara were having their, their breakfast. And so, you know, so, you know, so up, you know, uploads uh, senior Henry to the cloud, uh, giving her a very good justification to uh, you know, you know, to rant to be uh, to be back, you know, re-downloaded you know, immediately. And she is, along yeah. with everybody else, and unit busting. Yep. And arrest everyone. And as this is going on, the client appears on screen, and it is the Great Intelligence, and also the scheme of the Schalke Doctor, because it's Richard E. Grant. I hadn't noticed that, but you're quite right. So, for I know, just to go back a bit, the Great Intelligence was featured in the Christmas special, which also featured Clara, and a lot of yeah. people felt that they were cheated a little bit, that when it was in it was diminished and a little bit of a throwaway and it not felt, enough. It felt pretty random at the time. Now we know why people. Yeah. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't that it was just, uh, just a, you know, a random carry-on continuity reference, it was actually supposed to be unfinished business. It's a story point. So uh, you have the great intelligence then goes, I'm going to have to leave, uh, and basically restore your news. You see the Henry character goes, I'm going to have to leave you as well. And there's a moment of, obviously, that you can see that the Great Terrors is obviously evil, but there's a connection with all of these yeah. people that he's in control of, or influencing, if you will. And she's like, I don't know what it'll be like. It's been so long since I haven't had your voice in, in my head. And he, he just she presses the iPad that she's carried about, which says, restore to factory settings, and it wipes everybody's brain. Previously, one of the, the high-powered executive types is, is a normal working-class boy who was just in to clean the toilets. Yep, he was a plumber. <laughs> Not a and she has regressed to the, the age of a small child. And that's actually, that's actually quite creepy. Yeah, it's like, do you know where my mummy and daddy are? They said that they wouldn't be gone very long. Yeah, that's, that's actually quite disturbing. Bit of a hallmark from them off, though, with sing-song children's voice in a very creepy fashion. Though. Yes, it does, yeah. It does realise that children are very unnerving to... People and the voices of children. I mean, obviously, uh, no more famous than the Midwich Cuckoos. Indeed, yes. Also known as Village of the Damned. So, uh, the Doctor obviously has saved Clara, but vanishes and doesn't uh, doesn't appear. Next day or whenever, she sees the blue box outside the house. So she goes in, knocks the door, goes in. He's been waiting, and he does his shtick that he's done since he's come back in two thousand and five. Yep. To impress her. It's a time, her it's a time machine, etc. All the time and space, etc., etc. And it's like, she just calls him on and goes, does this work? Is this what you do? <laughs> you do this spiel and click your fingers and expect people to come with you. And, and he's, he's completely back-footed by that. Yeah. And it's like, well, the best thing about the time machines, you can come back. And she's just like, I might go. Not. He goes, come back tomorrow. He's like, why am I going to come back tomorrow? She goes, because I might say yes then. Yeah. It is, see, it is the screwball romantic comedy. Yes. Uh, and it's, 
there's, you know, there's, there's not a sense of, of one being the, do- the dominant partner in a relationship. It's, it very much, go, you know, much goes back and forth, even within, within a scene. And it is quite refreshing because obviously we had Billy Piper who came to love the who, who love came to love the Eccleston character, and then obviously he got upgraded to the much more uh, photogenic <laughs> type. Like, oh, I love him; he's amazing, and now he's better looking. Yeah. Result: it was kind of win. Yeah. You then had uh, Martha. Martha, oh, rubbish car, rubbish character. Yeah, and uh, the doomed romance there. That you thankfully there was none of that with uh, Catherine Tate. Yes, indeed. Then you had uh, Amy the bike. Until she chose... You have to chose Rory, yes, indeed. But uh, it was kind of nice that, oh, we're going to get some kind of... It's a proper relationship. Yes, it, it's the, there's one of these things, strange myths about that the Doctor is an, an asexual creature and isn't interested in it. I can't possibly be. I mean, he had a, he had a granddaughter the first time we met him. Which is, uh, even if you uh, ignore all the looms and woven pish from well, the pictures, is the Doctor is quite clearly someone who is capable of an intimate relationship on a one-to-one uh, basis yeah. because all you need to do is look at the scene of Joe Grant's departure in uh, The Green Death. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that is not someone losing a friend yeah. or to a new job opportunity and going away. There is a bitter, haunted quality to the Doctor, quite petulantly leaving that scene because he's hurt. Yeah, I mean that. You know, that is, you know, that's symptomatic and classic. Uh, you know, classic of of a, of a broken down relationship. He, she has chosen someone over him. No, he make no mistake that that is there. We have obviously the, the Doctor and Grace having their smooch. Indeed, indeed. Controversial at the time, but feels perfectly sensible. And so I have, and obviously Lance Park in the, the Dying Days book, where Benny and, and the Eighth Doctor quite, quite obviously... Yes, uh, indeed, yes. So there, there's, uh, there's kind of this thing that some elements of Doctor Who fandom... They do have, a, have an issue with this. Uh, it's like the man who never would. Balls. This man has killed... Billions. Yeah, by proxy or personally, he's got, got horrific body count. Exactly, and, and the, even in this, it's yeah. The, the, you know, I mean, the, you know, there is. I mean, the, the statements, the statements there that a lot of these people have no bodies to go back to and will die. Um, so I mean, we we don't know how many people you know died in that episode. Was was it a mercy killing? Probably yes. Because yes. the people that you saw presented in these little. Uh, cages were sc- were screaming and were frightened and were terrified. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, there was, was nobody was there horrific. willingly. It was uh, so it was kind of hammering home that no, the great intelligence is is a villain. Yeah, there was actually no doubt about that. And it's good to good to see, obviously that. So that we th- obviously our speculation, which could be balls, might not be, uh, is I think we're going to see him back over the course of the remaining seven episodes. Yeah, I would say he's our arc villain. Or, or if not an arc villain, because I don't, I don't think you necessarily have to have an arc villain, but perhaps yeah. whatever actions he takes may help move and shape things. Yes. Because to be perfectly honest, there may be no need for the Doctor to encounter him again. Well, uh, yeah, actually, actually you know, it could just be just be a case of you know, a case of meeting the effects of uh, effects of what the intelligence has done. Because this is an intelligence after the Doctor has already met him, 
because the great intelligence we met the snowman was the, the very earliest version of him. Yeah. The intelligence we saw uh, with the, the abominable snowman is a much further advanced one. Uh, and Web of Fear. And Web of Fear. Even yeah. now we're further, yes. we're further on. So yeah. this is a great intelligence who would be wary of encountering the Doctor anyway, having now had... You know, he's been beaten by him repeatedly, so... So what you may find is he may be a mover and shaker of things, but may perhaps not get involved. Yes. Never know. Yeah. Uh, there will be possibly something. Because again, you're not going to have actors the quality of Matt Smith and Richard E. Grant and maybe not give them some face-to-face -face time. Yeah, I, th I think yeah, that would be a wasted opportunity if you didn't. But I, th but I think say, the overall arc that we do have is Clara's plot about how she can have died twice. Where's this missing year in her... In her Diary. Yes. What has happened? Yeah. What and, makes her special? And 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 possibly which uh, which order we've met her? Yeah. Because it does look like we've not necessarily necessarily met her in the same order as she's met us. Yeah. So these are all things to find out. Obviously, over the next few episodes now, the, and the Cybermen are back, penned by uh, Mr. Gaiman. Yes. Yes. Which I which I have in fact just learned learned from you tonight. Yeah, and it's a case of a great intelligence might factor into that. I don't know, just because uh, it's not really been a connection between them in the. Doesn't it have to be? But if you're looking at it, but yeah, you know, Cybermen are classic Trailman villains, like like the Great Intelligence, so. and, and also just more the, the commonality of what what the, this theory of, of the Great Intelligence. Obviously, he harvests intelligences and what happens. Yeah, and we've um, seen just now. Do yeah. they have, do these intelligences have to necessarily be human? Well, indeed. But, and that, you see, it's, uh, I like to think this is the episode of Doctor Who that Warren Ellis went, oh, someone someone likes my work. Yes, I mean, yeah, the, the whole human souls, electromagnetic fields, um, you, know, you know, thing, yes, indeed. Yeah, or, or if not Warren Ellis, perhaps uh, Ghost in the Shell, as you said to me earlier. Well, yeah, there, there was a lot of, ha of, of hacking of people going on, which, um, you know, did feel very, very, you know, very Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and what, you know, what with um, Celia Emery's ability to just, just take just take over people. Well, I don't think they just want to take over. Well, you know, to, you know, to, you know, to use them to speak and, you know, and, and to do things with them. And also her own subordinates, when they were being, not being agreeable, she was able to tweak their obedience levels, oh, you know, their conscience. You know, you know, their intelligence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, people as manipulatable things. Uh, and very re and reprogrammable, so. Yes. So overall, it was a, a, a really enjoyed the episode. It's, it's one of the things I don't think any of Matt Smith's debuts have been any, in terms of openings of series have been anything other than battling along very very quickly. Yes, yeah, it was you know, it was very very pacey. Yeah. I, th I think the only one I think that had had a, a little bit of a bum note was actually a sign on of the Daleks because it had the horrible tact on Amy and Rory marital difficulties. Yeah, which you know, which was in the unfortunate position of. Having to be done in done in one episode, but not having room in the episode to do it properly, and therefore taking up you know, space you really should have just just filled you know, just filled with other stuff, um, you know, kind of giving us what were the worst of both possible worlds on that one. Not that a son of the Daleks was bad, obviously, um, just that, that that particular plot element just just didn't work. There. Of course, it wasn't there. Introduced the, the world to General East Cole, Coleman, future oh, well, daughter, your companion, future wife, of one of the, one half of this podcast. <laughs> And we couldn't possibly speculate which half you know, that was. No, no, I, I don't think we could. <laughs> we'll announce it. <laughs> but no, it, it barreled along at a great pace. It was jaunty. Uh, and, see, 
But yeah, but at the same time, it 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 it, 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 it didn't didn't diminish the, the sense of peril. I mean, there there was a, there was a peril ongoing. There was a threat, um, and you know, in some. And it didn't overeg uh, the Clara Oswin Oswald Oswin Oswald situation. It kept it in our minds. Kept it that the doc that was one of the doctor's motivations. But you know, it, it never really became forefront in the story. It was it was kind of kind of a, a background current. Yeah, and so. Oh, a, a fantastic uh, return to the screens for the Doctor for his anniversary year because I have to say that the uh, bizarrely at the moment all of the ancillary stuff seems seems to be doing a much better job of building a excitement for me for the fiftieth anniversary at the moment the the re-release of all the all the books from uh, in the for a mixture of Target and the BBC books yeah. and New Adventures in very fetching dress. Yeah. Uh, a, you know, a fantastic you know, comic, comic strip in Doctor Who magazine. Uh, yes, if you don't, if you like Doctor Who, uh, read, get Doctor Who magazine because the comic strip, which is twelve pages now, uh, yeah. every month, has been fantastic. It's doing a, fan, a great job of the making an anniversary story. Uh, but, but, but it still it still feels very 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 Matt you know Matt Smith era. It's it's brilliant. I want to tell you who it is. In the last installment, so if you don't want to know, skip ahead by about 15 seconds. They brought back in the latest installment the three cavemen from the tribe of... Tribe of Gum. Tribe of Gum from the very first yep. Doctor Story. And now we're back, spoiler fans. So those of you who uh, don't mind spoilers, you you now know why you have to buy it. Those of you that skipped the, next, the previous 15 seconds or so... Just take it on trust from us. Please go and get it. Yeah. Obviously, Big Finish are ramping up as well with a multi-Doctor story. Uh, yes. With all the Big Finish Doctors getting to work together, which is fantastic. Well, it's, yeah, it's always it's always good good when they when they get they get the opportunity to, to do stuff together. Yeah, and again, all their their special projects for that. So it's been good. But the BBC, it's not really been. It's, it's not really fired. You know, they've not really fired my enthusiasm to the same degree. My speculation, and one of the things is the the documentary that or sort of docudrama type thing they're doing about the classic show. Because it's not part of the Doctor Who budget, I have a feeling it's a stealth way of getting uh, stuff for free for the Doctor Who anniversary special, also involving us multi-Doctors, because we've re- they've, recan- they've cast an actor to play William Hartnell, they've cast an actor to play Patrick Troughton, they are building the classic TARDIS console set. Well, you know, it's a useful thing to have around, isn't it? They've also got old-style Daleks, because we shot the Dalek Dal- scene yeah, from yeah. Dalek Invasion of Earth. That's right. So this wasn't coming out of the Doctor Who budget. Because this will be BBC drama. It's you know it, it's you know it's it's yes it's BBC two funded. So I like to think that that's going to then get bought across and <coughs> borrowed uh, and will be used as something that makes sense. And given the way that we've seen, for the, if you've read Russell T Davies' book, the writers when they talk about how the ways that they try and wheedle money from other areas of the business <laughs> because they need it. Uh, so this might be the case. Or I could just be talking at my arse, you never know. But it's an interesting theory, and I'll be curious to see if you're right. Uh, I'm not asking for any money if I'm, uh, if I'm right, but just... It's right, when, it's right, they can't afford to give you anything. But when, but when you watch it, if it does turn out to be true, just just nod safely go, I'm being right, kind of like Cyclops, but without the killing of my mentor. Because I don't have a mentor. No, that, I, I know, I would be surprised if, surprised if you did. Well, kill a mentor, yeah, that well, no, surprised me. No, you're, you're not that bit, not that bit. I kind of, kind of assumed you, you know, assumed you'd uh, come into the world fully formed. Yeah, all full of hate and wild ideas. But also, 
No, it was you know it was a it was a cracking cracking debut. Uh, you know, good you know good solid solid pacey adventure adventure story. Um, you know, a lot a lot of good banter back at the back and forth between between our two leads. So yeah, it was fantastic. Basically, watch it. It'll be up on the iPlayer. Uh, in, oh no, it won't because by the time you you listen to this, this the next episode will have happened. So watch that instead. Yeah, watch that instead. Uh, and if you want. And you may be able to buy it on iTunes. I'm sure it'll see these links soon. I know because I'll probably have my order in very, very quickly for it in Stunning Howard Donald. Uh, so with that, we're going to take our leave of you uh, to enjoy some uh, ferment, probably some fermented potato juice with uh, the appropriate soft drink accompaniment. Indeed, uh, we, you know, it's, it's been a pl- it's been a pleasure to be here. Uh, well, I say it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure once we once we got past one one. Yeah. Oh, again, there, there was it wasn't entirely without joy. It no, wasn't actively awful. No. It just it's just kind of there. Yeah, again, just even now we're, it's what five, four hours. Yep, about four and a bit hours yep. since I, I saw it. And I'm, again, I'm, ha- I'm having trouble remembering anything from it, other than that she looked lovely in there. Oh, well, yeah, I'm not really going to forget you know, forget Adrian Pelecki in a hurry. No, so that's it. Uh, so I'll I'll be back in two weeks. Carl won't. Nope. Again, he won't have suffered any unpleasant fate that may have befallen previous uh, Stardub podcast co-hosts, such as Ralph, who's not here talking, So, and it isn't killed and buried under patio, and the silent member who isn't a fig- figment of my own imagination. No, Carl will continue to exist on his own as an independent person. And in all likelihood, if the stars and fates align, we'll probably be back again for Eurovision coverage with us, because obviously... We're talking to you on uh, the 30th of March. Yep. Basically, it was less than two months to Eurovision. Why yep. aren't more of you people excited? Have a clock's running. Clock's running. Yes. So we will, of course, have a, a start-up Eurovision special. That would be a terrible world it will if we didn't. No, indeed not. We'd be failing in our, in our remit uh, as idiot pop culture centre-bikes to not talk about that gaudy mixture of pop and, uh, well... Horrible British superiority from commentators. <laughs> so, uh, we'll take our leave of you and back in two weeks' time. Farewell. Bye.